welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey. My guest today is Kate Scott, the television voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, who continues to break barriers as a leader in sports broadcasting. Among her many accomplishments, Kate was the first woman to call an NFL game and an NBA game on the radio, men's basketball at the Olympics, Copa America and Gold Cup soccer for Fox, and an NHL game in the U.S. Previously, she spent five years doing it all for the Pac-12 networks, from calling football, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's soccer, volleyball, and softball to reporting for everything from rowing to rugby to anchoring hosting the award-winning feature show, Our Stories. Scott continues to call games for NBC and Fox, and in the fall of 2021, provided play-by-play for Learfield's new college football Saturday night, a nationally syndicated game of the week available on over 110 radio stations, YouTube and Facebook with analysts and former Philadelphia Eagle, Mike Golick. In addition to radio and television, Kate's done voice and podcast work for over a decade. A native of Clovis, California, Scott earned her bachelor's degree in communications from UC Berkeley. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's so wonderful to be here. Uh, Now, you already answered one of those questions in your bio, which is where you're born. So let's start with, tell me a little about Clovis and what did your parents do for a living? Uh, Well, Clovis was and is a a small town in the Central Valley of California, as we call it. So people probably more familiar with a neighboring town called Fresno. It's where Fresno State Mm -hmm. is located. Jerry Tarkanian coach there for all you old heads like me. So it was a fantastic place to grow up. It was a small town in California. It was one of those places where anytime I got home from school, there was a ton of kids on my street. I had a basketball hoop. A couple of other kids did. We had spray painted bases in the middle of the street. A couple of kids got um, street hockey goals for Christmas one year. So it was just as soon as you got home, you threw open your garage, you picked up your bike, you rode to your friend's house. Uh, you know, we didn't lock our doors. It was that kind of a place. And sports were life. I, I like to joke with people that it was the Texas of California because on the West Coast, that kind of made sense. I know now that I'm Philly, uh, I should probably say it was the Philly of the West Coast. <laughs> but it was, you know, Friday night football games had 10,000 people at them. High school basketball games were 5,000 person sellouts. It was, like Friday Night Lights, the TV show was kind of the the town that I grew up in. Uh, So it was wonderful, um, but I knew I wanted more. My mom was a a special education teacher and aide, which impacted me greatly. My dad was a service rider for the city of Clovis, which just means anytime you go to a car dealership and you're like, ah, it's making this weird noise you talk to the service writer who writes up the service for the mechanic. So he did that for the city. So he got to do it for police cars and dump trucks and and school buses. And um, so yeah, neither of them had anything to do with broadcasting. uh, And they're actually on their way to Philly right now for the first time. So I'm really excited to see them. Haven't seen them in over a year. Were they, you were in a sports town, were they sports fans? Uh, They were, yes, both of them were. They weren't as much of a sports nut as me. I think one of the things they (laughs) joke with me about is like, how how did you come from us? The whole nature nurture thing. They joke that I have a lot lot of nature and just a tiny bit of nurture. Um, But yeah, my dad, when you grow up in the Central Valley, like I did, uh, San Francisco, the Bay Area is three hours north. LA is five hours south. So it's kind of like who your parent cheered for. Was it the Bay Area teams? Was it the Giants and the 49ers and the Warriors? Or was it uh, the Haiti? 
hated Dodgers and Lakers. Nobody talked about the Clippers when I was growing up. So thankfully, my dad raised me right, uh, a Giants and 49ers fan. And uh, so, yeah. we as a, as a Philadelphia sports fan, which we'll talk about in a bit, yeah. I, I'll just say they're that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was lucky to grow up cheering for those teams. Obviously it was fun to be a yes. Niners fan when I was growing up in the nineties. Uh, yeah, they were very good. Um, did you have a role model in terms of, and you know, like, again, your parents were like, how did we end up with someone interested in sports broadcasting? Was there someone you looked up to as an announcer on TV or watching those games? Yeah. How did you, now you were just kind of like, when did you decide like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, you, you would think, because I, I know plenty of people who do this, um, whether it be play-by-play -play just like me or in some form of sports broadcasting, and they did. They knew from a really young age. Uh, I was either too stupid to figure it out or just there were so few women on TV. I think it was probably a combination of both. Um, I watched Sports Center like every little kid, and Linda Cohn and Robin Roberts were the two female anchors at that time. Some of the people that our legends now, Andrea Kramer from Philadelphia and Leslie Visser from the Northeast and Susie Colbert, Michelle Tafoya, et cetera. Um, they were just starting to be on TV. And, and I watched all the time, but for some reason, there was so many men, there was no women calling games. There was even very few female sideline reporters at that time. Um, I, I didn't put together the fact that I love sports and I was writing for our high school newspaper about sports, and I was on the microphone at Friday night football games, and I was the PA announcer for our men's soccer team. And <laughs> I never put it together. I was going to be a teacher because my mom was a teacher, and I saw the impact she had on so many families. And I thought, I really want to impact the next generation. It wasn't until uh, a conversation as I was applying to colleges with Mr. Schmazel, still in touch with, with Ed, um, and I was walking to the front office. I think I might have been turning in actually college applications, like getting them ready to be mailed off. And he asked me what I was going to be in and I said I was probably going to get my teaching credential and he said well that's that's great obviously I care a lot about education I've made it <laughs> he said Kate let me just point something out to you uh you play for varsity sports you listed off all the things I already listed to you um why don't you at least consider maybe being a sports journalist of some kind because I think mm. you're really good at it and I was like oh schmoz dude that's a great idea. <laughs> so if it was not for that conversation, I truly don't know if I would have gone to Cal and majored in communications because mm. again, it was, it wasn't that long ago. I started college in 2001, but when we talk about the change that we've seen in the past 21 years, it feels like a lifetime ago in the sports broadcasting industry. Yeah. And I think again, when you don't see as many people doing what you, it's harder to imagine it, yeah. you know? And I think that's true of a lot of different uh, professions when you don't see someone who looks or sounds like you totally. doing what you want to do it, it's much harder I think to imagine it yeah. um, and in that way you know you broke on a number of kind of sports broadcasting ceilings by being the first female to do this in the first year how important has that been to you and was it an intentional thing or it's just like you want for it and, and you know no. <laughs> I always tell people if that was the goal I think I would have failed miserably um, my goal has always been, and I, I, I'm lucky because I think we always tell kids, follow your passion, right? But mm -hmm. I, I think only a handful of us are lucky enough to be able to do that and then make a living out of it because it's really difficult to, to put those things together and be able to pay your rent or your mortgage or whatever the case may be. Um, so no, the, the, the goal was never to, oh, I really want to be the first woman to call right. an NFL game. It was, I really love being a broadcaster. How can I continue to challenge myself to get better as a broadcaster? 
and let's just see where that leads. That is truly my goal each and every day. Um, so I was calling high school football in the Bay Area. I was working for the 49ers flagship radio station. And those two things just luckily came together in my first first, which was calling 49ers preseason back in 2016, because their play-by-play guy was calling the Olympics in Rio. They bumped a guy up and then I got a call. So that has always been um, the goal, just get better and see what happens. But when it comes to the importance, I'm really aware of it because of what we just talked about. The fact that I was sports obsessed, watched sports center since kindergarten, was playing every sport, was calling it, you know, I realize how important it is for me to do these things and do them well. And then to talk about it, which isn't really comfortable for me. That's why I'm a play-by-play announcer. I like telling other people's stories. So even, even interviews like this are hard. Um, but but I actually just had a conversation with one of the many students I'm mentoring right now. I just graduated from Arizona State in, in the uh, spring, summer. And uh, she said, she reflected to me, like, Kate, I know you hate talking about these things, but I just want to tell you, you have me believing now as a 22 year old that I have a place in this industry and a lot of my classmates feel the same. So I know it's uncomfortable for you and I'm sure you're really pissed I'm telling you this right now, but thank you for continuing to talk about it because it really matters. So that that means so much to me. Well, and you mentioned even before when, you, when you're thinking about a career in teaching, you'd seen the role model of your mother and you really wanted to have it make an impact. Yeah. And what's beautiful is that you got to do something you really loved and you're still having a great impact on people. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. not just the people that are, you know, able to listen to you and enjoy you, but also the people who now see you as a role model. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that blows me away, right? The fact that I'm getting paid currently to call Philadelphia 76ers games, and that is somehow some way having a positive impact on this world. Yeah. I try, I try not to think about it too much because it's what it's wild to me. So you start off uh, mostly in radio. Um, what do you think the big difference is in covering sports on radio versus TV? Well, I sure didn't have to do my hair and makeup when I was in radio, which I loved. <laughs> it was it was like the perfect start for me because I am not, you should have seen me two hours ago when I was at Home Depot. Uh, I look like a 12-year-old boy, no makeup, hat pulled down. I often get called sir because of my deep voice. <laughs> um, but other than that surface level difference, um, you know, when it comes to play-by-play in radio, you have to be much more descriptive because there's no pictures mm-hmm. whatsoever. So the best advice I got the first time I called a game on radio was imagine you're trying to describe this to a person without sight. They can't mm-hmm. see anything. So you have to be so descriptive that they can paint a picture in their mind. Whereas in TV, uh, as a play-by-play announcer, you're captioning pictures because everybody can mm-hmm. see what's happening. Now, depending on the sport, you caption more or less. Soccer, I, I let breathe a lot more. Basketball is more like a radio call. Um, but And then when it just comes to radio versus television, so many of the people that I look up to now in this industry, it's fascinating, Jeff, um, they all started in radio as well because mm-hmm. it's not about your looks. You, you have to be smart and it helps if you have a sense of humor and you have to be quick-witted um, and you don't work with a teleprompter in radio. You just go. And so many people, now that I'm pretty much full-time in television have told me you can always tell the radio folks because if something goes off the rails, they're used to ad-libbing because they used to work four, six, eight hours with, with some notes, but not a script. Jeff could go crazy. So I didn't expect to start in radio, but now in retrospect, I'm so glad that I did. In terms of play-by-play, because being a sports broadcaster is one thing. And then within that, 
is the unique challenge of being a play-by-play. It seems really, you make, you and others make it look easy, <laughs> but I can't imagine that it is to follow along, you know, and as, as a spectator, we love the play-by-play because we can relax and, and, and get that caption. Exactly. <laughs> you can um, drink and have some beer and pizza and cheesesteaks. But it good. goes pretty fast. I mean, basketball, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not soccer where it's, you know, a slower game. Um, how, how hard is it? How, and how, how much, how different is it? Is it a skill like anything else? You just get better as you go because you get new players, you get new teams all the time. You know, do you have to study before, a new team comes in that has new players and changes and all that. Yeah. What's the most challenging part about play-by-play and how do you prepare for it? Yeah. Uh, just like everything, practice and preparation. I like to say it's similar to the players. Um, the game is the fun part because if I've done all of my work, all the research, have to study both teams, even the team that I cover, which is slightly easier now that I'm covering one team consistently. Mm -hmm. That was not the case when I was calling college sports. It was, I might see a team over and over throughout a season, but it wasn't every single game. I knew one of the teams. Um, So the majority of my prep and confidence building and comfort comes beforehand, looking up all the interesting stats. And a lot of it comes down to editing because there's so much information when you get to the pro level at the high school level, not so much, but at the pro level, everybody knows everything about every player. Mm -hmm. So how can I find that interesting nugget or stat or little piece of background information that hasn't been talked about before. And then I I watch previous games of the opponent to see if there's anything I can pick up. And oftentimes just recognizing what a player looks like, where they're going to be on the court, because sometimes players look similarly. So how am I going to tell them apart? Um, And so that is where the majority of the, the prep is done. And then once I get on air, I'm lucky if I use 10%. <laughs> so that's that's the hard thing. You have to do so much work because you never know when a star who you did all this work on is going to go down. And then right. sub who, if you were lazy, you didn't do any work on because, well, they haven't played in the last two weeks. All of a sudden they're playing 35 minutes and you can tell if you did your homework or not. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always curious if there's two, two things. One, if there's someone with you, you know, an assistant of some sort who's yeah. checking things as you go, because something may happen in a play, yeah. you know, oh, that's, you know, they've done that X amount of time. You know, there's something that you might not prepare for because you didn't know they were going to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have some element of being, you know, on the fly of, of information. Yeah. Is there someone at a computer checking stats of things so that they can feed them to you? Yes. Yeah, so thankfully um, we have statisticians. So mm-hmm. I have Wonderful statisticians, Jerry and Mike, uh, here in Philly. And I I like to say that a a sports broadcast is almost like a a ballet or a dance because I have to be listening to my partner, Ala, here in Mm -hmm. Philly, because if I'm not listening to him and he says something and then I repeat it, (laughs) you at home are like, Kate, let's go check your battery. Like, what's (laughs) going on, kid? Um, And then Mike sits on the other side of me or Jerry sits on the other side of me. And we both have our stats monitors up, which Mm -hmm. are live stat tracking. But I'm listening to Allah. I'm also calling the game. So I don't get to look. And in the NBA, the pace is the fastest Mm -hmm. that basketball is played in the world. So I don't have all the time to just stare at the stats monitor. So I I get a rhythm with my my guy sitting to my left and he'll pass me little notes. Like the other night we played the Cleveland Cavaliers and home opener for preseason. And they started five out of six from three point lands. 
And I knew that Kevin Love had hit, hit a couple. I knew that Donovan Mitchell had hit a couple, but I wasn't able to keep track of the overall team. So he just mm -hmm. passes me a little note. And then once you get really comfortable with it, you're able to look down real quick and you don't say it right away. You just find the right time mm -hmm. to then say it. And, you know, meanwhile, my producer's talking in my ear, okay, two minutes away from our first break and there's so much going on, but, but yes, that is a big thing. And then getting back to my radio, I would research all the time while I was on air because yeah. live things were happening. So thanks to that, I'm able to, during a timeout or something, do my own research or ask my statistician, hey, can you look up the last time this guy had 10 right. steals? Um, so it's it's a dance. It's a ballet. It's a team effort. Yeah, it sounds a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, in, 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 a good, you know, in a good way, because it doesn't look that crazy. Yeah. Um, one of the things I also noticed about you, and I've noticed this from day one, is how high energy you are. You know, I'm sure different people have different styles. You, you, and I, and it comes across how much you, you like the game um, and are into the game. And I guess part of it is how do you do that for a team when you first start covering a team? Because now you're a Sixers fan. Presumably. I am. Um, what do you do when the, the Warriors come into town? <laughs> you know, is there a, a moral conflict there? So I guess well, my question is twofold. Yeah. How do you consistently keep your energy up? Yeah. Because I think that's a challenge for people who are presenting, especially at the intensity that you do. And then how do you handle embracing the team that you're covering? Yeah. Uh, okay. The, the first part. I've always been like this <laughs> since I was a little kid, but the fact that I'm now getting back to what I said earlier, getting paid to call sports and not just call sports, that I get to be the television voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that even growing up in Clovis, California, I knew about. Because when you think NBA basketball, you think the Sixers and the Celtics, and because I'm mm -hmm. an Indian baby, the Bulls, the Lakers, right? right. But there's a, there's a small handful of teams that when you think NBA, you can instantly name. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I'm getting chills right now just talking about it. If that doesn't get you hyped up, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this. And then on top of that, so I worked in sports radio again. My first six years in sports radio, I worked a morning show. I was up at 3 a.m. Monday through Friday. And oftentimes I was calling games the night before because I worked a ton of jobs at the start of my career because everybody wants to do this. And I learned early on because a couple weeks in the guys, I was the sports anchor. So the one who would do the sports updates and, you know, the chick who would chime in occasionally with a smart sports take. Thank, thank goodness <laughs> the sports radio has changed a bit since then. But they told me, they said, Kate, you're doing great. We just want to play some of your updates back to you. Because in my head, they sounded really energetic. Mm -hmm. Played it back and they were kind of monotone, which was wild to me mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm always so energetic. They said, think about morning radio is sometimes you have to fake it because you're exhausted. Something happened the night before. You didn't sleep well. A friend is sick. Nobody cares. You just have to ramp it up and figure it out and fake it for the four hours that we're on air. So I think those two things combined make it really easy for the excitement. And then when it comes to the team, the good news is the Warriors were really bad when I was growing up. So <laughs> I was I was a Giants and a 49ers fan and more of a oh. basketball fan. I I didn't say that when I worked in the Bay Area. I was like, yeah, I'm a Warriors <laughs> fan. But there wasn't much to cheer for or watch when I was growing up. So I was much more of a college hoops fan, much to my partners uh, like I, I, Grant Hill and Christian Leitner. I was like the one kid who actually liked Duke as opposed to hated them because my partner's a, a Duke alum. So I was a huge <laughs> college basketball fan. But when it comes to cheering for the team, um, 
it's really easy once you start to know the people as human beings, mm. you know, and especially because I didn't know what situation I'd be walking into. Sixers are really good dudes. And I'm not just mm. saying that from the training staff all the way up to head coach Doc Rivers and Elton Brand and Daryl Morey, like everyone, as soon as I got here, made it clear to me that they were one, genuinely excited I was here, that they didn't see mm. me as a female announcer, that they saw me right. as a play, play announcer who happened to be a woman mm -hmm. and that anything they could do to help me succeed, that just, just ask. So it has been <laughs> coming into that, it has been really yeah. easy to get on board. And then the fact that they're so exciting, um, mm. Again, so I just, I, I feel like I lucked out because I had no idea what it was going to be like. You, you have expectations and hopes, right? But you try to temper them because stuff happens. And sometimes the way things look on the surface aren't the way they are in real life. But I've been really lucky. I mean, how can you not get excited about Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid and James Harden and stuff? Yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah. So I grew up watching kind of the heyday of the Sixers with Dr. J and Moses Malone, all those, and was lucky to see a championship when I was a teenager. And then I was actually living in England most of the down process, you know, early process days. So see, I could, like I could have come into that. They didn't win 20 games, just a handful yeah, of years I mean, ago. And I know that that's coming. Hopefully I'll be here for a long time. Sports are cyclical, just like life, so. Right. Uh, but we're in a great spot. It's amazing to be a fan right now. Um, and, and I have a 13-year-old son who's just loves it um <laughs> and my daughters and my you know but uh he's a real basketball fan and so it's really really fun uh so you've traveled a lot the olympics and all those places i'm always curious what's kind of the most surprising place you may have found yourself whether it's an actual location or talking to someone that you're like your younger self like i can't believe i'm here i can't believe i'm talking to this person oh my goodness Probably, well, you just mentioned it. Um, so probably a couple of the things that I've done recently, other than the, the Sixers gig, mm -hmm. um, was the Olympics in the summer of 2021, which was supposed to be 2020. But I don't know if I would have been asked to do the Olympics if they'd happened in 2020. Um, so in some strange way, things worked out. But uh, I like to call it broadcaster summer camp because we were still in COVID. So uh, uh, the majority of us didn't actually go to Tokyo. We were at NBC's mothership headquarters, as I like to call them, this huge campus <laughs> in Stanford, Connecticut. And it's so rare doing what I do that I ever get to interact with other play-by-play -play announcers because most of the time mm. you are the one calling right. the game. So I met so many people that I have looked up to for, for years on the, on the East Coast all throughout, Kenny Albert, right? Voice of the NHL, NFL. I mean, he's called so many things. And all of a sudden we're like sitting in the mess hall in the cafeteria together, just talking about things. I, I got to work with Fran Fischilla, anybody who knows hoops, he's the, they just made Adam Sandler just made the movie that came out, right? Hustle. Mm. It's kind of based on Fran who coached college hoop, then fell out of favor. So he decided I'm going to be the best international scout I can be. And I got to call hoop with him, which was so fun and educational because it was international basketball. So he actually has seen these guys, has been to the courts and stuff. So that was pretty wild. And then um, I grew up playing soccer more than anything. I played hoop all through high school, but I was I was better in my mind than I was actually on the floor. I like to joke, I was really good at taking charges and dribbling out the clock at the end of the game when our team had lost and the starters needed to take a break. Um, but soccer, I wanted to play in college. It was my sport. So now that I'm getting to call international soccer 
and mm. getting to interact with. I mean, I called a game with Kobe Jones. <laughs> I mean, I watched Kobe in 94 when the World Cup was here in the States. I got to call, call games with Allie Wagner and Lori Lindsay and Danielle Slayton, these former members of the U.S. Women's National Team. So that has been pretty wild. And I, I think and hope that it's just getting started. Well, World Cup's coming and all that. Yeah, and yeah. You know, exciting stuff happening in Philly for that too. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned before we start recording, I have a, a friend's daughter who's interested in broadcasting. What advice would you give to anyone who's like, I want to do that. I want to be a play-by-player. I want to be, a, you know, just, I love sports and the idea of being on camera or, or on the radio. What, what advice do you think you, you can share with them? Oh, yeah. I'll try to keep this 10 minutes or less because there's so <laughs> much. We get old and there's so much advice, right? You just want to, well, kids, pull up a chair. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Your top advice. The first things are really simple. Well, first of all, you can do this as hopefully I'm proving and so many other people, the industry, the landscape looks so much different than it did 20 years ago when I was in college. And the people who are doing the hiring are looking for those of us who are doing, whether it's the writing or the talking, whatever the case may be, to be more reflective of the audience and the athletes, which is great news for all of us who love sports work really hard. It is a really difficult industry because we get to call sports or cover sports and get paid for it. And I I have to remind myself sometimes that I'm getting paid to go to the Wells Fargo Center. Meanwhile, other people are spending hundreds of dollars to park and to pay for food and all this stuff. So a lot of people want to do it. So you got to work hard and you got to be, um, you know, forceful when it comes to, to wanting to get into the industry, you have to follow up, you have to get rid of your ego. I actually talked to a college student the other day mm. who said, well, how do I get my first internship? And I gave her some advice. You have to go onto the station's website or the team's website, employment opportunities. And, and then you have to follow up because all of us who are in the position and now help or hire people, we're really freaking busy. And most of the time we're underpaid and overworked. And you can't take anything personally when you're just starting out because it's most of the time not about you. So keep working hard, two weeks in, send a follow-up email. And she goes, oh, because I was kind of upset. And I said, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) then you're not going to work in this industry. Anyway, so that gets me to my other other piece that I usually tell people, work really hard and be kind because Mm. this industry, even though it seems vast and expansive, is really small because oftentimes all of us start wherever in the industry we are working, start covering high school, then we move up to college. Then just like the athletes, we move up to the pros and it gets to be a very small industry and everybody talks. And I've been told by multiple people when it comes to the soccer job, when it comes to the Olympics, when it comes to the Sixers, well, we loved your performance. We think you're a great talent, but we asked people that you worked with previously, mm-hmm. how is she, if we're going to be around her nine months out of the year and traveling and sometimes getting into Philly at 3 a.m.? And they reflected to me that everybody told them she is a joy to work with. The energy she has on the floor is she's just herself. So work hard, be kind, and just keep believing that you can do this because you can. I love that. You know, I was was talking with someone else um, about why it's important to be kind and and to, you know, be positive. And I said, it's, and from a business perspective, I was like, it's both good business Mm -hmm. and it's just, good yeah it feels it feels good to be kind why not do the right thing like why wouldn't you say hi to the executive assistant who you've been emailing with even though the boss is the one who's going to make the decision but oftentimes the boss asks their executive assistant hey how was kate when she was in the waiting room did she say hello did she ask you how you were or was she just a jerk 
And right. so little moments like that can go a long way. I have a hard question for you. If you hadn't become a professional sports broadcaster, mm -hmm. what career do you think you might have pursued? Ooh, well, uh, I mentioned teaching, so I think mm -hmm. that might have happened. But also, uh, I worked all through college uh, because my family didn't have that much money growing up, and I wanted to help out as much as I could. And in the San Francisco Bay Area, food and wine is huge. It's only Cal Berkeley is only about <laughs> uh, 45 minutes away from Napa and Sonoma. So when I became of age, uh, I waited tables at some restaurants in Berkeley and loved it because I got to be, I'm a people person, right? So I'm interacting with folks. Uh, and then I poured wine in Napa and I loved it. So the food and wine mm. industry, I don't know what I would be doing there, um, but just again, you get to make people happy, which is something I really love as well. And if you give somebody a great dining experience or a great experience mm -hmm. at a winery, um, that, that always felt great to me when I could tell that, wow, just the little hour I spent with people was, was impactful. So. Are you, are you kind of a wine connoisseur now? Did, did you, um... <laughs> I, I never use that word connoisseur, but, uh, but yes, I know a lot about wine. My, my mother-in-law lives in Sonoma. My sister-in-law lives in Napa. So definitely know the go. good from the bad. But again, I'm from a small town in the middle of California. So you, you want to give me a, a $5 bottle of wine. If we're having a good time, I, I'm, I'm going to have a good time. But if you were going to have a, like, if you're going to have a really good bottle, what, what was it that you, you know, is it a Merlot? I don't know much about wine. So okay. Okay. What's your uh, go-to? Well, I'll shout out the winery that I worked at. I had never had this white varietal before. And varietal is just, you hear like Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, they're different grapes, but if you want to be fancy, you call them varietals. Uh, so I'd never heard of the white wine Viognier before. It looks like Wagner, like it's spelled weird, um, but it's a really nice white wine. It's fantastic for the spring and summer. Uh, has some nice tropical fruit. I'm, an, I'm not a big Chardonnay butter person. See, now we're, we're going down the rabbit hole. These are all the things I had to learn to sound intelligent as a 22-year-old pouring wine in Napa. But uh, Darius Viognier, it is a spectacular white wine that goes wonderfully with food or without food. And it'll make you, it'll make you feel really fancy by knowing how to pronounce it. Well, I, I ask it mostly because my mother is a is a wine. <laughs> okay, well, drop person. that one, mom. And so I'm like, have you ever had? You know, um, I mean, I have to ask you again how to pronounce that, but we'll we'll, we'll figure that yeah, out. Yeah, we'll practice um, up here. So you've done a lot. I mean, you you really achieved what a lot of people would say is success. So how do you, Kate Scott, define success? Mm. Well, that's, that's probably the hard question um, because I'm still trying to figure out that answer uh, because I, one of the things that friends continually encourage me to do is to pause and to reflect mm -hmm. on how much I have accomplished, which I really appreciate, but it's still really hard for me because as I said earlier, I'm always trying to challenge myself to get better. So it is really hard to slow down and, and appreciate that because there's so much more I want to accomplish. I just want to keep going and see how far all the hard work that I've put in, which has helped me hone this talent that I now possess, where that can go. Um, and I think that is leading. I think I'm figuring out that that is what success is going to look like for me. Personally, how far can I push myself and what can that do in me for me personally? But also, I know, getting back to where we started this conversation, the impact that my success mm -hmm. will have on opportunities that other people who haven't seen themselves or heard themselves reflected in this industry before, what it could mean for them. Because I know that they're watching, but I also know that all the folks who are doing the hiring are watching. And they're saying, man, 
NBC Philly hired this gay chick from California. How's that working out in the city of brotherly love? And I know if I do really well here, then somebody in Oklahoma, somebody in Idaho, somebody in Texas is going to say, you know, wow, I thought that was going to be a hot mess and that she was going to be back in the Bay Area in six months. And it all seems to be working out. Maybe, maybe I should start thinking outside the box too. Mm. So um, getting, yeah, everything's cyclical, right? Like this conversation. So I hope for myself that I get to call World Cups and more Olympics and hopefully MC a parade down Broad Street because the Sixers have won their first NBA championship uh, in 40 years. Knock on your lips for your lips. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I hope that in addition to that, because of that, that I've opened a whole lot of doors and that the change that I've seen in the industry in the last 20 years just accelerates over the next 20. And related what inspires you to keep going to want to have this impact maybe just in general what inspires you to live another day um i feel so lucky um to be doing this and i know hashtag grateful feels so overused and cliche at this point but again um i was just a, a little girl growing up in clovis california who loved sports my mom was a special education teacher my dad worked for the city so many people who are my counterparts in this industry grew up around these leagues because their dad was a play-by-play -play announcer, because their dad played NBA basketball or football. And that is wonderful. And that's the thing that took me a while to get over when, when I was seeing them get opportunities before me, that that may give you a, a foot in the door. They may not have had to work as many odd jobs as I had to get in the door, but talent is how you stick around. People who just get in because of a name or a connection are weeded out very quickly because you have to, you have to work really hard to stay in this industry. Um, so uh, a friend reflected to me before I was flying out for my audition here in Philly. She said, Kate, regardless of what happens, I just want you to take a moment to think back to 18 year old Kate and pardon my language, how fucking over the moon she would be if she knew that 38 year old Kate was flying to fucking Philadelphia today with a chance to be the voice of the 76ers. And I said, yeah, Ashley, you're, you're right. So uh, that's, that's the inspiration. And then all the people that I, I know that I'm impacting um, by getting to do something I so love and never could have imagined 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Things are changing. Uh, speaking of change, what's is there is there a trend in the way that play-by-play -play announcers saying kind of what's next for the way that it's done, or is it oh. going to stay the same forever? <laughs> no, I think it is changing. Um, you know, I think when I was growing up, it was Keith Jackson and these huge, huge names and voices that were kind of, as we call them in the broadcasting industry, voice of God, welcome everybody to the Rose Bowl, you know, and uh, it wasn't how you would talk to somebody face-to-face, -face, how we're talking right now. Mm -hmm. And slowly that has loosened up a bit, but there's still plenty of, I'll just be honest, older men in the industry mm -hmm. who are voices of teams who call games that way. So I think that we are loosening up and getting uh, a bit more conversational, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. like, I am encouraged to to have fun with Allah on air. Uh, obviously, if it's- a, so We see it. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, if it's a really intense game, we're yeah. not going to have as much fun. But when it's preseason or when it's January against the Detroit Pistons, no disrespect to the Pistons. <laughs> but, but, you know, just we're not playing the Celtics in game six of the first right. round. Uh, 
that we're supposed to have fun and give fans because there are so many other options now than there was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. How do you keep the audience engaged? Well, you got to make them either like you or want to listen to you because very few people watch full games anymore. Very few people are even watching games on their televisions. So I think we're seeing that trend. And then also being able to call things off of monitors because we're saving money in this industry now. So you just have to be versatile and able to do a lot of stuff at once. And anything specific that's, you know, what's next for Kate? (laughs) Uh, well, hopefully vacuuming the house in a little while because my, you know, my parents are getting here. I was up till 1 a.m. last night trying to clean and I just I was like, I got to not have huge circles under my eyes. Uh, Sixers this season, uh, hopefully, as we mentioned earlier, uh, I called some U20, under 20 Women's World Cup for Fox in August in hopes of that kind of being my last audition before next summer's Women's World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. So if anybody at Fox is listening, guys, really looking forward to it. Come on, It doesn't conflict with basketball. Uh, And then then more more Olympics in in the future, hopefully getting to call from an Olympics. Paris is next. So NBC, again, no pressure. I'm really- They have some wine there too, I think. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Your wife can come, your mom. Um, And- uh, there may be some other exciting news coming out shortly, uh, but I can't announce it yet. So oh, I like the intrigue. Stay, stay tuned. That's what we call it. Stay a teaser. tuned. Yeah, it's a teaser. Exactly. Okay. Now we're at the point where I'm going to ask you nine relatively rapid fire questions. I don't okay. always go as fast as I think. Um, so here we go. If a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, who would I want to play me? Um, well, I guess going with just how my story has felt to myself, I would love it to be some actress that is just starting her career and maybe isn't as well known in Hollywood, but has worked really hard, maybe in the theater for a long time. And this will be the role that allows her her to break out and I love it. Start to up and comer. Yeah. To be that be a list, hopefully in the next few years. Should stories always have happy endings? Hmm. Be nice if they did, right? But life <laughs> isn't uh, a happy ending all the time. So, uh, so I'm going to say no because I I like being as honest and um, real as possible. And I would love for that to be the case, but I don't, I don't think that's how we are. Can you name a favorite emoji? <laughs> a favorite emoji uh, I, the one I use the most these days is the side crying because I used to use the middle crying but then somebody told me that that was actually crying it wasn't laugh crying uh. <laughs> so I used the slightly tilted to one side or the other That's... depending on how you're looking at your phone with the tears because I just like to laugh can you name one of your favorite songs one of my favorite songs Oh, uh, yeah, the the river by Garth Brooks. Uh, I grew up again in in small town California. There was a lot of country music where I grew up, and Garth was all the rage in the eighties and nineties. But uh, it's about the journey, and uh, it makes me cry every time I hear it. So uh, life isn't easy. You just gotta steer your ship as best you can and keep going, keep going down the river. Do you have a favorite social media platform? 
<laughs> no, I hate all of them, to be honest. <laughs> and I wouldn't be on any of them if I didn't have to be for work. Um, but I do, in reality, I do uh, enjoy Twitter because uh, it cuts out the middleman and I get to interact with so many fans. And I think that has helped humanize me and make me a real person to so many people at all of my stops, but especially here in Philly, because you know, people have critique, I get back to them. People have praise, I get back to them. People have questions. So I think it engages, it's another way to engage the audience and make them care even more getting back to what we were talking about earlier. So Twitter's fun, Some sometimes, not always. <laughs> Can you name a book that's left a lasting impression on you? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, my best friend, Kate Fagan, is a wonderful writer. And her latest book was called All the Colors Came Out. Um, her dad was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, a number of years ago. He was a professional basketball player. Uh, and as people who know what ALS is, there's no cure. And he went from being this almost 6'5", brute of a man, to being able to speak or breathe on his own in the span of three years. And she wrote about it because she's an amazing writer. And as much as that horrific life event can be inspiring and motivational and make you reflect on your life. And I, I read it in a day, not just because she's my friend. And it's about fathers and daughters and sports, but it's about so much more. So if anybody's looking for a little kind of pick me up, uh, a reason to put down social media and the phone and mm. uh, to think about your life and are you doing what you want to be doing and hanging out with the people you want to be hanging out with. It made me think of all of those things. And uh, so all the colors came out by my buddy Kate Fagan. Love it. Can you name one of your favorite movies? <laughs> yes, <laughs> A League of Their Own, <laughs> which is is now a so crying in baseball, right? Yes. <laughs> this is Great our movie. daughter Dottie, and this is our <laughs> other daughter Dottie's sister. Unfortunately, my my older sister used to make that joke all the time about me growing up, and I was like, No, you're not Kate's sister. You're you're Becca. You're Rebecca. You're your own person. But uh, for you young kids, if you haven't seen the movie yet, go see it. Well, my daughters, I don't think have seen it, and they they play softball, so it's one that we have to watch yeah, that. now. <laughs> um is there can you name something you can't live without uh coffee <laughs> right an answer by the way because <laughs> uh, <laughs> i gotta have at least three cups a day um i should probably have thought more deeply about this um <laughs> it's eh, honest kate so it's all good. coffee and, and friendship and love like that is truly what what fills my soul and the older i get even though i'm only 39 right now but i've realized that one phone call with Kate, with my best friend, Megan, back in California for 30 minutes, that can fill me up for a whole week when I'm on the road, having those late nights with the Sixers. So friendship and love and coffee. I love it. <laughs> uh, if you could be credited with inventing something, what would it be and why? Mm, inventing something hopefully now that i'm a play-by-play -play announcer covering one team i was i was never a catchphrase person before uh because when you just cover different teams you're more of an unbiased broadcaster but you know my predecessor mark zumoff had so many fantastic catchphrases that hopefully one will just pop out in the years to come i, I could have thought of something deeper and more impactful than that but <laughs> <laughs> we'll try like a good catch in the next few years. <laughs> uh, 
if someone wanted to interact with you, is Twitter the best platform you think for them to try and kind of connect with you or? Yeah, probably, or, or Instagram. Those are the two I'm on. I got advice years ago um, from our social media managers at the Pac-12 who are now running NBC and NASCAR and all these things. Choose your favorite two, because I mm. felt I was on Facebook, Snapchat had just happened, TikTok was years from existing. And I said, it's so overwhelming. And they said, yeah, choose the two that you enjoy using the most. Mm and focus on those because otherwise your content is going to not be as great because you will be spread thin unless you have a social media manager and all that right. stuff. So Twitter. And I, I, I tell that to clients all the time, like yeah. pick two and do them yeah. really well and try and do lots and do yeah. all the mediocre. So, so if you're interacting with a Kate Scott on any of the other platforms, I'm not on any of the other <laughs> platforms. They're fake. You're They're the giving me a bad name. Right. The I hate Kate Scott account on Facebook. I'm sure it exists. Like that's not me, but it'd be funny if it was. So Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> Kate, this has been joy. Is there anything that you want to promote at the moment? You know, you've given me your time. Is there anything you want to share um, other than watch the Sixers and yeah, watch the Sixers. Enjoy. And it's, again, it probably sounds cliche at this point, but be kind to people. Um, just remember that all of us are dealing with so much. We're still in a global pandemic, even though I know we've had to move on and act like we're not. But every every good friend in my life right now is dealing with something. Something's going on with one of their kids or their parents or their other good friends or their job. Life is just so much it feels like right now. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it's okay to not be okay and to tell your people about it and to seek out that help. I'm huge on seeking help for mental health and stuff when you can, because it's just the same as physical health. So be kind to others and be kind to yourself because life is a lot. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Kate, thank you so much for your energy, which I knew I would get and for <laughs> sharing, um, giving us a little insight into what it's really like to work in, in the field that you do. Uh, and being a role model for, you know, as, as a father of two daughters, anytime, and the reasons I wanted to talk to someone who has had experience to do is because you, whether it, it may, whether you like it or not, you're trailblazing for people and you're, you're becoming, yeah. you're making that impact for people in a way that's really, really wonderful. Uh, but most of all, I want to thank you for helping us connect the dots. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.